Good morning. Today's daf is daf pay. I'm going to go from the fourth line of daf pay Amud Aleph, um, 80a. The today's shirs Le'ilu Nishmas Ben Sion Ben Zeev Avram Alevi and Meir Ben Shlomo and Avraham Ben Meir, and it's also Le'ilu Nishmas Yechezkel Ben Chaim Yitzchak. May their memories uh, be a blessing, and may the Sorry. May the memories be a blessing and may the Neshamas have an Aliyah. So yesterday we were discussing how to make a Shitufei Movos, one of the easiest ways. And we basically mentioned, the way we mentioned in the Mishnah was, one person gets food on behalf of everyone, puts it in the barrel. We'll discuss today how much food he needs. So he takes some wine or some bread, some food, puts it in a barrel and he's mazaket to them through someone else. Uh, he gives it to them, he gives it to someone who acquires it on behalf of everyone in the courtyard, and then he, uh, and they lift it up a tefach. They lift it up a tefach off the ground, the tefach is a fist, so it's just a little bit, and that is how they acqu- that second person acquires it on behalf of everyone. Now there's an interesting discussion, um, as I've been explaining it, is the idea is that he acquired, this person is acquiring it on behalf of everyone, so that everyone has a share in the Eruv. There's another interesting, and that's why, why does he pick it up at Tefach? To perform a Kenyan, to perform an act of acquisition, to finalize the, the deal. Um, there's another opinion that the Rishonim bring in the name of the Goinim, and that is that it's actually got nothing to do with a Kenyan, it's got to do with you want to make a, you want to make a heker a distinction you want to highlight that this is the that this is the air of Trumim. and the reason for doing that would be so that people are aware ah you put it um, that people are aware that if it gets finished or something happens to it if it's one that it's spilled that they must replace it so that's why you pick it up kind of to say this is the air of Trumim. everyone I'm putting it here keep an eye on it. Now, what would be the difference whether you learn it's because of a Kenyan or because of um, whether you learn it's an act of acquisition so that everyone has an ownership in the Eruv or if you learn that you're just making a Hekev. So, one of the distinctions could be is what would be if as opposed to you who's setting up the Eruv Tchumim put all the food in the, your own food in the barrel, you go and collect food from everyone else. You don't have to acquire the food on behalf of everyone because you went and you got a roll, you got a piece of matzah from every single person. So you don't have to do an act of Kenyan anymore, you don't have to um, acquire it on behalf of everyone's, it's everyone's anyway. And... But if the reason is to make a heck and make a distinction, well then you would have to actually pick it up. Um, a second difference could be, um, could you do another type of Kenyan? I don't know if you remember, but we haven't discussed it in a while now, but there are different ways of affecting a Kenyan. Pulling something, the one we're discussing now is Hagbo, picking it up. A third one is... Uh, Kenyan Sura, like, you know, when you give a token thing and they take, uh, take hold of a token thing like a handkerchief or something. So could you use that? If the point is a Kenyan, then instead of picking up the barrel, the person could take a 
handkerchief from the one who's setting up the Eruv on behalf of everyone, and that would affect the acquisition, the transferal of the food in the barrel of being his to being everyone's. But if the reason is to say, no, this is the Eruv, then you would still have to pick it up, no matter, and you don't have to do, um, you would still have to pick it up. So that's an interesting discussion just on that point. Okay, so we brought from the Sabe, the elders of Pumpadissa, that you have to pick it up. Um, now the Gomorrah here, Macy Bay, they challenged that. I do really have to lift it off the ground to make a Shitufe Mavos. It says Kate and it brings a price. It says, again, I'm on the fifth line of Payamud Aleph 80A. How do you make a shituf in a maboy? You go and you get a barrel. It could be filled with wine, oil, uh, dates, figs, any fruit. If it's all his fruit, he needs to transfer the rights to everyone else. However, if he collected their fruit, their food, he just has to let them know that he just so he just has to let them inform them that he's set up the arrow. Rashi points out he has to let them know that he's taken some of their food and even though it's for that and that he's used it for the arrow. The reason is because if we learned earlier, if someone's particular and they're not going to let anyone eat their food. Then it can't be used for the Eruv. Um, so that's what he has to inform. If and he picks it off the ground, Mashahu, any amount. That seems to contradict the Sabe the Pumpadis who said you have to lift it off the ground. The Tefach here it says Mashahu. So he says, No, my Mashu Nami the Komar Tefach. No, when that price is said just a little bit, it means a Tefach. Because a Tefach is a tiny amount, almost insignificant, so it just says a little bit. Okay. Um, now we're going to bring a machloikes regarding when, which we're going to discuss. On the one hand, a shituf mavos, and it seems included in that would be a eruv chatzeros. They're very, very similar in their setup: a shituf mavos and a eruv chatzeros. And the second type is a eruv tchumin. On the other hand, and we're going to discuss when do you have to do it with their consent, and when do you have to transfer the ownership to them. So just to get a term clear. Again, when we say tzorich lezakos, we mean you need to get it, you need to transfer the rights to them. The way of doing that would be, let's say I want to set up an Eruv on your behalf. So I would take my food and I would tzorich lezakos, I would have to get someone to acquire my food on your behalf. That's tzorich lezakos, I'm just going to, tra- I'm just going to translate it as transfer the rights. But remember what's happening is there kind of has to be a second person who does the Kenyan on your behalf, who acquires it on your behalf. So that's uh, to keep in mind. Okay, so, Itmar Shitufe Mavos, if you want to set up a Shitufe Mavos, Rav Omar ain't Tzorich Lezakos, or Shmuel Omar Tzorich Lezakos, Rav says you do not have to transfer ownership, and Shmuel says you do have to transfer ownership. Rav says you don't have to transfer ownership, because you can assume that the owner wants it. It's totally beneficial to the owner because he can now carry on Shabbos. If you don't set it up, then he can't. So it's beneficial. So you don't have to. Lezakos, transfer the rights to him. Ushmul Omar, he says, you do have to. Eruv Eit Chumim, regarding an Eruv Chumim. Remember, that's to put food 
where you want to consider your Shabbos residence so you can walk an extra 2,000 Amos. That's the Trum. So he says, Rav Omar Tzorich Lezakos. Rav says in that case, you have to transfer the rats. With Shmuel Omar ain't Tzorich Lezakos. And Shmuel says, you do not have to transfer the rats. Rav says, why do you have to transfer the rats in that case? Because it affects each person independently. You can't do one um, Eruv Tchumin on behalf of one person. You have to do an Eruv Tchumin on behalf of each person. And therefore, he needs a, you, you need a Kenyan... Yeah, sorry, I left out a point. Regarding a Shituf, how we would learn is Rav holds what's called... Remember, what does the Kenyan do? What's the transferring of the rights? It finalizes the deal. That's what a Kenyan does. It makes the person um, do it with full conviction. So if you can assume, or not, if there's a scenario where the guy's going to do it with full conviction, anyway, with Gamira's Das, then you don't necessarily have to do the Kenyan. So by Shitufei Mavot, it's totally beneficial to set up an Eruv around the Mabu that he can carry from his house into the alley, etc. That's totally beneficial. So Gomarumakne, you can assume it does. But the Eruv Tchumim is done for each person individually, and therefore you would have to do a Kenyan to make sure there's the Gemiris Das. Now let's just a- a- analyze Shmuel quickly. Shmuel says, by a Eru, a Shitufei Mavos, you have to transfer ownership, but by a Eru Tchumim, you don't have to. So what's the logic behind that? So Tosfos explain. By Shitufei, what you're doing in a Shitufei Mavos, you, you're acquiring your friend's property to a degree. You're acquiring rights. So to buy anything, to acquire anything, you need to do a Kenyan. And that's why you have to uh, transfer the rights again when you're doing a Shitufei Mavos. But by a Tchumin, why don't you need a, a, a roof? So Tosos give three answers. The first answer is the flip side of this reason we've just given. Again, by the setting up a Shitufei Mavos, you want to acquire his rights or acquire ownership in his property. So therefore you need a Kenyan. Whereas uh, Eruv Tchumim, you're not acquiring anyone's property. All you're doing is setting up a new Shabbat zone. So therefore you wouldn't have to acquire him. A second answer Toysus give is that it's for a mitzvah. Remember, Eruv Tchumim always has to, you can only set up contumenibins and Eruv Tchumim only if to do a mitzvah, only to go hear a shir, only to be able to travel further for another mitzvah reason. So if you're setting up the Eruv Tchumim for a mitzvah, you're going to do it more with greater conviction because it's for a mitzvah and that's why he doesn't have to transfer rights because it will happen automatically. And a third answer Tosos give is remember an Eruv Tchumim is not necessarily completely beneficial. I can't set it up on your behalf without your awareness. A Eruv Chatzairus and a Eruv um, Shitufei Mavos, that theoretically is totally to your benefit because all it's going to do is enable you to carry. There's no, there's no negative side to it. But an Eruv Tchumim, if I set up an Eruv for you, let's say 2,000 Amos to the west of your Shabbat zone, you now can't walk anywhere to the east. So it restricts you, it, it changes where you're allowed to go on Shabbos. So therefore it's not necessarily beneficial and therefore you would have to, um, you would have to get permission.
to set up. The person would have to ask you to set up the Eruv. And Tosso said that aspect of him asking you to set up the Eruv is the Kenyan by the, is, is affects the transferal of the rights to set up the Eruv. Now the Gomorrah carries on. It It makes sense why Shmuel says you need to transfer rights by the because that's what it said in the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that you have to transfer the rights when setting up a Shitufaimavos. But, and by Eruv Tchumim, we don't see anywhere that you have to transfer the rights. So Shmuel makes a lot of sense. El Rav, my timer, what's the logic behind Rav? So, so the Gemara says, Tanaihi, it's actually a Machlokes Tanaihi. There was a story with the daughter in law of Rabbi Shaya. She, was, she went to the bath, she went to go get ready for Shabbos at the bathhouse, which was outside the Trum, and then it took a bit longer and it was going to be dark before she could get back to town. So she would be stuck there because it was outside the Trum of the town. So what is, So her mother-in-law made an Eruv on her behalf, Eruv Trumim. So the story came before Rebbe Chia and he forbade it. He said it's an invalid Eruv Trumim. This that the mother-in-law set up the Eruv for is invalid. You're so Babylonian. Because Rabbi Chir was initially from Babel. We discussed, they were in Eretz Yisrael at the moment when this discussion took place. And he was a Tamukhochum in Eretz, but he came from Babel. So he says, Babylonian, why are you so strict with Eruvim? Any time with Eruvim you have reason to go lenient, you can go lenient. So now we saw, but either way we saw Rabbi Chir said, this that the mother-in-law set up an Eruv on behalf, an Eruv Tchumin on behalf of her daughter-in-law, is invalid according to Rabbi Chia. Now he says, What's the reason it's invalid? Is it because the food belonged to the mother-in-law and she didn't transfer it to the daughter-in-law? Or maybe it's because it was the daughter-in-law's food, but she didn't inform the daughter-in-law that she was using her food to set up the Eruv. I, what's the reason? Why is it invalid? It says, May one of the students whose name was Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yochanan explained it to me, The mother-in-law made the Eruv with her own food. The reason it was invalid, is because she did not transfer the rights. So what do we see? Um, we'll carry on with the story, but just what do we see here? That the mother-in-law set up an Eruv on behalf of her daughter-in-law. And we are, what was the reason that Rabbi Chia said it's an invalid Eruv Tchumim? Again, the Eruv that allows her to transfer 2,000 Amos. Because the mother didn't transfer the rights to the daughter-in-law. What do we see? By Eruv Tchumim, and this is how Rav Paskins you have to transfer the rights. So someone would have to acquire the Eruv Trumim, the food that the mother-in-law was putting there for her daughter-in-law, someone would have to acquire that on behalf of the daughter-in-law. That's our Rav Paskins, and that's again against our Mishnah, but that's another Tana. Now, Omalei, they just wanted to confirm this. So Omalei, Rebbe Zaira, Rebbe Yaakov, Rebbe Zaira said to Re, sorry, Barah the Bas Yaakov. Rebbe Yaakov, the son of the daughter of Yaakov, Kimat is awesome. 
when you reach there, when you go in there, take a detour and go via Tzulma Detur. And ask Rabbi Yaakov Baridi, ask this question, why did Rabbi Chia say that the Eruv Tchubim that the mother-in-law set up was invalid? So he says, so he asked, he asked him, he said, what's the reason that the Eruv was invalid? Was it, again, the two options, because he's repeating the question, was it because the mother-in-law did not transfer the rights to the daughter-in-law? Or was it because the mother-in-law used the daughter-in-law's food without her, without her permission? So he says, so what did he answer? So, Omar Michel it says now very clearly again he says it's straightforward that it's because she didn't set up it, it's because it was sorry it was the mother-in-law's food but she didn't acquire transfer the rights to the daughter-in-law and this would be Rav's, uh, Rav's Psak okay so we have a machlokes whether an Eruv Tchumim a machlokes tonight by Eruv Tchumim whether it has to be whether you have to transfer the rights. Rav and Rabbi Chia would hold you do. Shmuel and Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi would hold you do not. Um, interestingly enough, Rabbi Yaakov Emden asks yeah, as one, um, he says, yeah, he says, very surprised. He says, you see, there are mother-in-laws who like their daughter-in-laws. Because <laughs> here, yeah, the mother-daughter-in-law was going to be stuck outside of town and uh, the mother-in-law kindly tried to set up an Arab so she'd be able to get back. So he discusses that a bit. Um, and then uh, and he actually says it says it must be because they stayed in different they stayed out of distance from each other can't be that they stayed nearby each other <laughs> but that I thought that's a, a lighter note on this uh, on this piece okay Omar Rav Nachman Rav Nachman said like Tinan we have a tradition Echod Eruvei Tchumim Echod Eruvei Chatzeros Echod Shitufei Mavos Sorech Lezakos whether it's Eruv Tchumim whether it's a Eruv Chatzeros and whether it's a Shituf and Mavos, you have to transfer the rights. So when you set up an Eruv with your food on behalf of other people, you have to make sure to transfer the rights to them. As we mentioned in the Mishnah, how do you do that? You get another adult or an independent person to pick up the food on their behalf. As soon as they pick up the food on their behalf, then you transfer the food to the relevant to the other relevant parties, and it's a good shitufem of and that would set it up. Boy, Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman asked, "What about the eruv tavshilin? What's the eruv tavshilin?" So remember, strictly speaking, when Shabbat, when Yom Tov falls out on Friday, so you're going straight into Shabbat. Strictly speaking, according to the Torah. You're allowed to cook on Friday Yom Tov, which is Yom Tov for Shabbos. Generally, you're not allowed to cook on Yom Tov for the following day. But on Friday, if, it's, if Yom Tov is on Friday, you're allowed to cook for Shabbos. However, the rabbis came along and said, no, you have to make an Eruv Tavshilin. Someone who says, what's an Eruv Tavshilin? You put aside food. Ah, you've started to cook food from Thursday for Shabbos. Some, there are two reasons given in the Gemara, so I'll just mention them because it's interesting. One reason is because it is out of Kovot Shabbos. If you get so caught up on Thursday with preparing for Yom Tov 
and then you'll only start thinking about Shabbos on Friday, you're going to forget to leave food and make sure to have nice food for Shabbos. So start, so it forces you to start thinking about Shabbos on Thursday when you're preparing for Yom Tov to make sure that you have food for both. The other one says it's covered Yom Tov. We're worried that if people remember, you know, last year I could prepare on Yom Tov for the next day, even though the next day was Shabbos, they might come to prepare for Yom Tov on Yom Tov for a weekday. So to guard the sanctity of Yom Tov, they say you can't prepare on Yom Tov for Shabbos unless it's kind of continuing what you already started to make that, I think it's, if I understood it correctly, to make that awareness. But that's an Eruv Tavshilin. Now, when you're making an Eruv Tavshilin on behalf of other people, do you have to, the food that you're making it with, do you have to transfer it to them? Do they have to have a share in that food? So Omar of Yosef, for mighty boy lays. says, Lo Says, what's he asking? Did he not hear what Shmuel, what Ravnachem Barabada said in the name of Shmuel? That you do have to transfer the rights on, make it on behalf of the other people. You have to transfer the rights to them. Now, what's he saying? He's saying, in other words, we're going to see what he's saying is, is he arguing with that opinion? Or has he not heard it? I mean, he said as a question, he says, obviously he hasn't heard it, because if he heard it, what's he asking the question? He says, no, but we saw by another teaching of Shmuel, Shmuel says, by Eruv Tchumim, you don't have to transfer the rights, and Rav Nachman Paskin, that you do have to transfer the rights. So maybe just as he's arguing there, he wants to, he says, I can't follow what Shmuel says here. So the Gemara answers, Hachiyash, the Bishlam asked him, Polik Rabu Shmuel, there it's Makloikes, Rabu Shmuel, Bekom Mashmelon, Kechamurin Demar, Bekechamurin Demar. And he's paskining strictly like Shmuel and strictly like Rav. Aval Hachi, Ki said, I isi de Shmaele, mi ikadamad de Polik. Here we don't see that there's anyone who argues on Shmuel, who say, and Shmuel said you have to acquire the right. So if Rav Nachman had heard what Shmuel taught, he wouldn't argue and he would have said you do have to acquire. Okay. New point regarding an Eruv. Now what we're going to go into now is almost, can you force an Eruv? Let's say one of the residents, one of the people don't want to be part of the Eruv. Can you force it? Can you, uh, uh, one thing is, can you take food from them to make the Eruv? And I guess to a lesser, lesser degree, if you're setting up the Eruv with your food, can you transfer the rights um, to them as well and have a valid Eruv? So he says, Ahu Turzinat, it was this Turzinat. That was a non-Jew who was in charge of supervising weapons that they used to keep. But he lived in the Chotzer. So Ahu Turzinat, the Habibish was at the Rebizari, was in the neighborhood of Rebizari. Now remember, when you want to make an Eruv with a non-Jew, you have to rent the rights of passage that they have. So he asked him, so he, um, so he, um, so they asked him to rent this Turzina to rent his rights, and he didn't give it to them. Said, can we rent the rights from his wife? And we went and asked him to rent the rights to set up the Eruv. He said, no. Can we go ask his wife? So said in the name of a great rabbi, Umanu, who was that great rabbi? Rabbi Hanina. And Rabbi Hanina, what did he say? A wife, a man's wife, can participate in the Eruv without his consent. 
And we bring it a very similar story. How Turzina to have a the Rabbi Huda Baroshaya. There was a Turzina, this uh, non-Jew was in the neighborhood of Rabbi Oshaya. And Amalei Oigel of they wanted to set up an Eruv, so they asked him to rent his rights. Says Lo and he refused. So also the Kaimate, the Rabbi Yehuda Baroshaya, they came to Rabbi Yehuda Ben Oshaya and Amalei Maula Megam Yudisayu. They said, "Can we please? Are we allowed to go to his wife? His wife's much more pleasant and." And uh, she'll be easier to deal with. So they, he said, Lo have a He didn't know. Also, the Kaimid Ramasna, Lo have a So they went to Ramasna. He didn't know. Also, the Kaimid Rav Yehuda. So they went to before, they went to Rav Yehuda and Omer Luach, Omer Shmuel, Ishta Shalorama, Avreve Shalomidato. A man's wife can join the Eruv without his consent. Aye, so you want to set up an Eruv Tchumim and you go to someone and you say, Can we have some matter for the Eruv Tchumim? And he says, No. You go and ask his wife and his wife says, Yes, then it's okay. Says Maisibe, they challenged us. No shim she iruvum inishtatfu shalomidas baleim. Ain eruvan eruv, the ain shituf on shituf. If a woman who sets up an eruv or a shituf without permission of their husband, it's an invalid eruv or shituf. Oh, that definitely contradicts what we've just saw. We've just said you can ask a woman without the consent of her husband to set up the Eruv. And now we brought a price which is the exact opposite. If a woman sets up an Eruv without permission of her husband, it's invalid. So the Gemara says, Lo Kasha, Oh, this that the wife, this that we said a wife can make an Eruv without her husband's consent, de Osar, is where if not for their participation, it would invalidate the Eruv. Oh, the law also. But the case, the Bryce, which says you cannot set up an Eruv without the with if the wife doesn't, without the husband's agreement, is where they do not invalidate the Eruv. I, um, so when, just, just to clarify this point, most cases when you want the person to join in the Eruv would actually be that if they don't join, they invalidate the Eruv. For example, the standard Eruv Chatzeris, you have four houses opening into the same common area. If one of those houses don't join the Eruv, it invalidates the whole Eruv. Or you have a Mabui and you have six different courtyards, however many courtyards opening into the Mabui, and one of those Chatzeris don't join in the Shitufa Mavaz, it invalidates and no one would be allowed to carry. So in those cases, you can go behind the husband's back and get permission for the Eruv from his wife. However, in a case where they don't invalidate the Eruv, what would that be? So Rashi, the, the, one, the example given is if you have a house, a chotzer, that opens into two mabuis. I, it has a mabui on either side. Now remember, if he primarily uses the one mabui, he doesn't have to participate in the second's mabui's eruv, and they can carry. So if, for whatever reason, they wanted him to join in their eruv, and he refused... In that case, since they would still be allowed to carry in their mabui, they're not allowed to go to his wife and get consent to from her. And it says, Hachanami Mistobra, this is actually logical. If you don't learn this distinction, that you're allowed to get permission from the wife, you can get an Eru from the wife without the husband's permission, is where, if not for them, they would ruin the whole Eru. And if they would not ruin the Eruv, then you're not allowed to. You end up with a contradiction in Shmuel to Omer Shmuel. If you have one of the people of the Mabui who usually join in the Mabui, and they didn't join this time, 
They can, the, so just about every week this guy has joined in our Eruv. The one week he says he's not joining in the Eruv, they're allowed to go into his house and take food for the Eruv against his will. And Tulsus explained, obviously not totally stealing food, it must be that his wife gives them the food. Rogil in, Sha'ain Rogil law. But what do we see? When are you allowed to take this Eruv by force? I get his wife's consent Get the error from his wife even though he said no. That's specifically where he usually participates. If he's not usually part of the Eruv, then you can't even go to his wife and get the Eruv from her. Shmamina. Now that contradicts the Shmuel that we just brought. We quoted Shmuel, that's what Rabbi Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel. You can get an Eruv from a woman without without her husband's consent and now we just quoted Shmuel that says the only time you can do that is if it's if they usually join the Eruv but implying that in usual in the normal circumstances you would not be able to get an Eruv without the man's consent you would not be able to go to the wife so Shmamina you must by the fact that Shmuel teaches us these two laws which are contradictory seem to be contradictory you must make the distinction no do they oyster the Eruv or not so again, if they oyster the Eruv, if the Eruv would be invalid, invalid without this um, household's participation, you can get it from the wife without her consent. But if not, if they would not invalidate the Eruv, then you can't go without the husband's consent. Oh, I can suggest the proof for this. You can force someone to make, to contribute to the Lehi or Koira. Remember, to carry in a mabu that is closed on three sides but open on one of the sides, you have to either put a cross beam atop the uh, a cross beam, a cross bar, a koira, or you have to set up a lechi. You can force someone to participate. So just as you can force them to join in that in the expenses of setting up the lechi of a koira, you can also force them to join in setting up the to participate with the food. So the Gemara answers, that's not necessarily a good proof. Shani Hossam, Teleka Mechitzos. There, there are no Mechitzos. Rashi says, a very interesting Rashi, Rashi says, by the fact that that third side is completely open, it's a little bit less secure. And therefore, you can force them to join in the Korah and the, or the Lechi, because it makes it a little bit closed, a little bit more secure. A, a big problem with Rashi is, remember, what's a Korah? The Korah is just a beam, a Tefah Wad, on, that can support a brick that crosses the entrance of the Mabui. How does that add to, to the security of the Mabui? And even worse than that, a lechi, a lechi just has to be tent for him harm, but it can be any thickness. So how does that add to the security? So Rashi is quite difficult to understand. Tosos give a different answer from Rabbeinu Tam. They say, um, because there you're just doing an aspect of construction to enclose the mabui and therefore you can set it up without the person's consent. But an Eruv, to set up the Eruv, to join the food together, you're actually getting rats in his property. Remember, you're combining everyone's property together. You're buying his rats and therefore you have to have his consent for that. Now, if you notice, I don't know if any of you are following in the normal Gomorrahs, but you, it says Loshan Acher Mitzad Shani. Another version is Mitzad Shani. 
Now, all those different little letters, it's a um, Aleph in round brackets, an Aleph in square brackets, a, regu- a, Rashi, a, a regular Aleph with a one square bracket, a Rashi Aleph with a round bracket, and then a base with a round bracket. I, there's clearly something wrong with this text. It's very hard to understand. And all those different numbers are bringing different opinions of what it should stand. Okay, so we'll leave it, for, for Alshir, we'll leave it as we don't understand it. It seems it's a corruption of the text. And that's why each of those different opinions are telling us different ways to what the correct text should be. But we'll leave it at that. Let's go on to the new piece. Rebbe Chia Barashi says you can take an Asherah tree. It's amazing how in the last three daf, we haven't seen it for months and months and months, and in the last three daf we've mentioned Asherah in all three of them. Remember, Asherah is a tree that was served, that an idol, that served as an idol. It was worshipped, and you're not allowed to get benefit from it. However, Rebbe Chia Barashi says you can make a lechi from the Asherah. Rebbe Shema Ben Lakish and Rabbi Shimon ben Lokich says you can even make the koira out of an Ashera tree, the cross beam. We'll discuss what the difference should be between them. It says, Rabbi Shimon ben Lokish, who says you can make the cross beam for the Eruv out of an Ashera tree, you can definitely make the lechi. The one who says you can make the lechi out of the cross beam, you cannot, um, he's saying you cannot make the cross beam out of an Ashera. Why not? It's viewed as completely crushed. I what's very interesting halachic principle. What do you have to do with an Ashera tree? So you have this idol tree. And now you're not allowed to get benefit. What are you supposed to do with it? Burn it. That's what you have to do to it. So but the, the Koira has strict requirements. I don't know if you remember going back quite a long time to the beginning or more to the beginning of the Masechta. The Koira has to be a Tefah wad, And it also has to be thick and strong enough to support a brick on top of it. Now, if you have, since it has to be burnt, we view it as if it's already been burnt, and therefore it doesn't have the required shield. Whereas a lechi doesn't really have any significant measurements, as Aptosis learned, because granted it has to be 10 him high, that's quite short, but it can be any thickness. So it doesn't really have significant measurements, so you can use it for a lechi. Very interesting, why in the first place is this not getting benefit from Avodah So it's for a mitzvah. Setting up an Eruv is a mitzvah. So mitzvah is We don't really count it as a benefit. So that's why you would be allowed to set up the Eruv with an Asherah tree. Again, can you use it as a koira which requires specific measurements? That's a machloikes amorayim. Okay, this new Mishnah is going to discuss what happens, how much food will it's going to discuss the food for the Eruv. So we still haven't discussed how much food we will need. We will discuss that in the Mishnah. But it starts off with the phrase, So assuming you need a specific amount of food, what happens if, there's, if the food gets diminished? Someone eats it, some of it spills, something like that. You can add to it and transfer rights on behalf of everyone and you don't have to inform them. Very interesting. Rashi learns that as they all already agreed to participate in the Eruv. So when you just top up the Eruv, you don't have to inform them that you're topping it up. When you, if there are more residents, then you can add to it, but, and transfer the rights. However, you have to inform the new residents that you set up the Eruv on their behalf. 
You have to let them know. You have to get their consent. Um, just an interesting question to think about. Do you think every time someone moves into the Johannesburg Eruv, from outside of it, the, they add to the box of, ma- of matzah for the shit of Something to think about. We're not, every t- it sounds from the Mishnah that every time they're new residents, you would have to. Okay, carry on. on. Um, Um, Rashi learns yeah, just to highlight one point Rashi learns if he's using his own food to make the Eruv I said there's some new residents so he's adding matzah to the Eruv if he's using his own matzah he can mezake to him to them and he doesn't have to let them know because what, what they don't lose out at all if however he wants to use their matzah that's when he has to inform them now the Gemara asks Kamehu Shiurun how much food do you have to use to make the Eruv? If there are a lot of people, then it's enough food for everyone. Uh, two meals worth. Two meals worth. If there are not a lot of residents that you're joining into the Eruv, one grogeres, one fig size for each person. We'll see in the Gemara how much that translates into. So, Amar Rabbi This is this that you need the, the actual amount is for when you start the Eruv. Aval Bashira Eruv. But if the Eruv's already been in effect, if you already used this Eruv on one on a Shabbos, call Shehu. Then, as long as a little bit remains, you don't have to top it up. And the reason that they said that you need an Eruv is so that the children don't forget. I remember we said, if you have an Eruv Chatzairus and a Shitufay Mavos, sorry, if you have a Shitufay Mavos, a Mabwe Eruv that joins everyone in those few streets together, you don't really need an Eruv Chatzairus. You have to set it up just so that children don't think that they can carry without an Eruv Chatzairus. Okay, now... Let's go on to the Gomorrah. But my askinan, what are we dealing with? I, when we said, um, Rashi explains, that we said if the Eruv shrinks, you can, I, it gets less, you can add to the Eruv, you don't have to inform them, implying that if the Eruv was completely consumed, you would have to inform them. I again, but Maya Skinan, our Mishnah came along and said, if the food from the Eruv shrinks below the size, I let's say there was three, four pieces of matzah was the Eruv, and someone came along and ate one of those pieces of matzah, our Mishnah says that's when you can add on to it, transfer the new, the right to them, and you don't have to inform them. Implying that if someone ate all the matzah of the Eruv, then they would have to inform them. But my asking, so what, 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 what's the case? He says, If you want to say you're using matzah, either Eruv was made out of matzah, it got eaten, and you're adding matzah to it, well, even if it was completely finished, it should be good. You shouldn't have to uh, inform them. So it must be you're dealing with two different types of food. Either initial Eruv was made with matzah, and now you want to add one to top it up or something like that. Well then even if it shrinks, if it's just less, you shouldn't be able to add. I, if someone ate one of the pieces of matzah and instead of matzah you want to add a bottle of wine to the Eruv or any type of fruit, then 
it shouldn't be okay. You should have to inform them. So what's the case that our Mishnah is talking about where it says, so, so again, just to highlight the question, well, yeah, let's just see this inside, the brighter. If you have, if you, if the Eruv was finished, I someone ate the whole Eruv, and you come in to remake the Eruv with the same type of food, you don't have to inform anyone that you remake an Eruv. But if you're trying to use a separate type of food, you need to inform them. So again, our question is, our Mishnah sounded like it was a case where if the food got less, you have to, you can add to it without informing them. But if the food was completely finished, then you'd have to inform them. We're basically asking, those factors are irrelevant. It's more got to do with, are you using the same food or are you using different food to the initial Arab? That would determine whether you have to inform them or not. So it says, We can learn the Mishnah as a case of one type of food, or we can learn the Mishnah as adding a second type of food to the Eruv. How? If you want, you can say it's one type of food. It says, My nismite, nismatate. Nismatmate. When the Mishnah said the food was going less, it means it was completely consumed. If it's completely consumed, then you can add food to it. The e-boys, and obviously we'd be discussing one type. The e-boys, or we can say the Mishnah is discussing two types of food, and color shiny, if it is completely finished, it's different. I.e., in other words, um, it comes out. If some food remains, then you can even add a second type of food without informing people. If the food was completely consumed, I someone ate the whole box of matzah that was used as the Arab. Or something happened, it, sp- it was a bottle of, a barrel of, a bottle of wine and it spilt. So completely finished. Then only if you're adding from the original, making the Eruv from the original type, do you not have to inform people. But if it's a new type, then you would, a second type of food, you would have to inform everyone. Okay, then we say, If they're new residents, then you can add on their behalf. You just have to inform them. So, Omar Abshizbi, Omar Abshizda, Zoysomeris, Halukin, Cholkin, Olof, Haverov, Al Rebiura. It seems like our Mishnah, Rabbi Zaira tells us that our Mishnah is teaching us that Rabbi Yehuda's colleagues argue with him. The Tanan, as we learn in a coming up Mishnah, when is this that you need to inform everyone? If you're setting up an Eruv Chatzeros, and we, I guess we'd say so to an Ashitu of my boss, you can do it with or without their. In, with their consent. So our Mishnah says when you're setting up an Eruv for new residents, you have to inform them. According to Rabbi Yehud, if you're setting up an Eruv, you don't have to inform everyone. So Rabbi Zaira told us that they argue with each other. This Pshita, the Chalukin, I don't need Rabbi Zaira to tell me that argue. I could have read this Mishnah and I could have read, when's it? Um, it's, a, um, it's a Mishnah just over the page. I could have read both Mishnahs, and I know that the, the sages of our Mishnah hold you have to inform people that you're setting up an Eruv Chatzeros and Rebbe Yehuda holds you don't have to inform them. I don't need Rebbe Zaira to tell me that. So this is no Maldatema. What would you have thought? Hanimili b'chotzer shebein shnei mavos. That's with the chotzer between two mavos. I, where it's not necessarily beneficial to the person you're making the Eruv. Because if you make the Eruv with him in the one maboy, he can't carry into the second, my boy. So you're limiting him. 
So that's uh, that's restrictive, and that's why that maybe that's the case where the sages say you have to inform him. But maybe if there's only if the chotzer only opens into one mabui, maybe the sages would agree to Rabbi Yehuda that you have to have a separate that you don't have to inform him. That according to the sages, you would always have to inform him. Okay, now we just ask Kamahu Shira. So Kamahu Merubin. We the Mishnah said. How much food do you need for the Arab? If a lot, if there are a lot of people, two meals worth of food. If it's a little bit of people, a groger is for of food. It says, but What's a lot of people? Is it ten people? Is it twenty people? Is it forty people? What's a lot of people? Says Omar, have you Omar Shmuel Shmoyne Ezra b'nei Adam? Shmuel says it's eighteen people. Shmoyne Ezra with two You're telling me the only the only number that's considered large is eighteen. No, what we mean by a lot of residents is from 18 people onwards. So any 18 or more is a lot of people. Where does he get 18 from? Like, where would you get it from? That he mentioned it specifically 18 or more is a lot of people. So very interesting. Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda said, my father explained it to me. If you would split the eruv amongst them, I, sorry, if you would split the two meals amongst all the residents, and they would not each receive a grogeres, hein hein merubin. That's what's considered a lot of people. The sagi must be and you don't have to add to that. Just two meals worth is sufficient. The law, if there are not enough, sorry, if they, if not, if they would each receive a grogeres, muatininu, then they considered a few people. And he's teaching us, by the way, that two meals is eighteen grogeres. I, let's just re, I'll rephrase the Gemara. If you would give each person a gregarious of food, as soon as you get 18 people, that is the equivalent of two meals. So that's where we get our number of 18 meals. As soon as there are a lot of people, I, that if you would split a two, two meals worth of food amongst 18 people, they would end up with less than a gregarious. So if they're 18 or more, that's already considered, two meals worth is already considered significant, and you don't need to add any more food to the map, to the, to the Eruv. However, if they're less than 18 people, then obviously if they, then you would expect a Grogeres on behalf of each person who's joining the Mapui. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. Have a, have a wonderful day.